a new exhibit at Studios on the Park in Paso Robles addresses the fact that we are all, with the exception of indigenous Native Americans, descendants of immigrants, myself included as a first-generation American. Coming right up. Good afternoon. I am Stephen DeLuque, and you are listening to Ears on Art, a segment of Issues and Ideas produced at the studios of listener-supported KCBX Public Radio, serving the California Central Coast from Ventura to the south to Salinas in the north. Today's guest is Henry A.J. Ramos, the curator of an exhibit currently on display at Studios on the Park in Paso Robles. This exhibit features works by artists who are not native to the United States. Maria Inahosa, a former contributor to NPR, once said that her Cuban immigrant mother stated that America was not a melting pot, but more of a stew. All of the ingredients remain distinct, but the whole combination is far greater than the individual elements. Mr. Ramos was kind enough to meet us at co-host Krista Hewitt's home in San Luis Obispo. My name is Henry A.J. Ramos. You're here as part of an exhibit that's going to be happening up at Studios on the Park. But before we get into that exciting event, let's hear a little bit about you. Well, Christopher, I want to thank you for uh, your interest in my story and, more importantly, the exhibition coming up at Studios on the Park. My story is a long and meandering one, but I'll keep it fairly simple. I'm a California native, uh, raised in Santa Monica, California, and educated at UC Berkeley and Harvard University. My background is in the arts and social justice. I've done a lot of uh, work back in the East Coast, uh, cities of New York and D.C. and Boston. But, you know, once a Californian, always a Californian. (laughs) I got to that special point in life when you start feeling there's more behind you in the rearview window than there is in the windshield in front of you, and I miss my home. And I found my way back with my beautiful wife, who's originally from Switzerland, Uh, to California. We've been active here now in the Central Coast region for the last 10 years. I've been affiliated for the last nine years with Studios on the Park, which is a very important anchor cultural organization in downtown Paso Robles as an artist, as an initial board member. And now I'm privileged to curate a very timely and important show. I am interested, before we get into that, how the tie for you actually works in practice of the artistic side and the social justice side. Often people ask me how I tie these uh, things together, the kind of creative side with uh, the other side of the brain that is more geared to policy and politics. I think that they're connected. I think they're all about life and humanity and the history of our times and about expression of human will. Um, I think we live in times that require, I think, a much greater attention to uh, appreciation of history, appreciation of the arts, its role in society. Many of our schools have stopped teaching uh, arts and culture Mm -hmm. as a result of serious budget cuts to our schools. Uh, I think anytime you're in a democracy and you're cutting back on things like arts and, and civic culture, you're making some mistakes. In some measure, in my own personal estimation, I think I begin to put my finger on manifestations of those mistakes and the public policy decisions that we are making today that 10, 15, 20 years out, uh, I suspect will look less favorable than they do today. And how do you find yourself able to actually take some action? I think that's a very good question. Um, a lot of us in these days and times feel powerless because the systems that kind of run our political uh, reality, our economy, 
our culture seem to be very remote, increasingly so from the average citizen. But I think there's tremendous power in the will of the individual and the expression of the individual. And that's where I think arts is uh, just a profoundly uh, vital part of a democracy. I think that this is where you find the, literally, you find the voice of the people in the expression of their visual and cultural uh, expression. I think that while art is not a great engine of commerce, as uh, you know, you would say with energy or with agriculture or some of the other industries we can talk about. I think it's a very vital part of not just our economy, but of our identity as a as a nation as, and our role as human beings on the planet. I think art plays a very, very pivotal role in helping us understand what's important and what's lasting. We recently had a conversation with some people who are working on an art connected with science. Their project has been to have people using the somewhat throwaway type lab coats, but they're more durable than just the mm -hmm. total flimsy ones that you see. Mm -hmm. And that people are painting on them, they're sewing on them, they're doing whatever they want to do to make their statement about science. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. The dream of these people is to someday have as many coats as possible displayed in Washington, D.C., all of what happened with the AIDS quilt. Right. Yeah, and it was really great. So I didn't know if you have projects in your head going at the moment or... Is I'm supporting the arts right now, but I think that, you know, your example is a really timely one because, you know, people might think of science and art being completely disconnected, but they're all about the search for truth. This is really, I mean, we live in a time where facts and the truth are really, I'm, I think they're frontline casualties of a lot of our uh, misguided public debate in the moment. But truth matters. And, you know, the search for facts matter in terms of the evolution of societies and people. And both scientists and artists, I think, although they have different means to get from here to there, are all in search of what we would call the truth. For you personally, what kind of disciplines are you working with? My own personal art is uh, principally canvas uh, applied acrylics with a lot of collage work. I try to intermingle um, uh, printed media, photographic media with my own painting, and usually on themes that have a social content. Uh, immigration, one of the core topics of our conversation today, has been not just a more recent interest, but uh, of long-standing interest. Mm -hmm. I'm a third-generation American born to the, the children of uh, immigrants uh, from Mexico. You know, our experience, I think, is a really interesting and telling one. We came with, like so many immigrants, nothing. And when my grandfather on my mother's side passed away, uh, he had several million dollars in investments in Santa Monica, California, several restaurants that he owned, several apartment buildings that he was the owner of, several large homes. Um, he had never completed elementary school. He barely spoke English. He was somebody who I consider to be a manifestation of the American dream, someone who worked very hard his whole life, someone who loved America for all of the opportunities it made possible for him. He sent uh, several kids off to war. He helped them to become successful middle-class contributors to society, business owners, investors. That's the immigrant story that I know. And there's a lot of that that's going on in our society. And in my role as an artist, I, I have felt uh, a certain natural responsibility to capture that aspect of American culture, which in these days sometimes defies public uh, conversation. But I think if we look at the facts, most people will be very inspired by the immigrant stories all around them. And it's so easy for many of us to kind of not think about our immigrant status. And I suppose that one might say that almost anywhere, 
but I certainly am one in the sense of how'd you ever get here in the first place? <laughs> yeah, no, I think that's terribly important uh, what you just said. I think this is something that's lost on many people who have very strong anti-immigrant feelings in today's public debate. But unless you're African-American and you were brought here involuntarily or you were a Native American and you were one of the original Americans, uh, you came from somewhere else. That's the hard reality of it. And this is what I find to be most interesting about the immigration discussion. It's a uh, it's fraught with inconvenient truths that people who are against immigrants don't often like to acknowledge, but it's just a fact. It's something that, you know, is a part of all of our histories. And at some point, you know, it might have been 100 years ago or 200 or 300 years ago, some of the people who are the most ardent anti-immigrant advocates uh, had people from their lineage who came here just the way that these immigrants are coming today in search of the same opportunities, ready to do the same hard work, ready to build the same communities, ready to invest the, in the same God ready to do the very same things that every prior generation of Americans has done to make this the greatest country on the planet. And with your work, you're saying you're using collage and other medium that's out there in terms of prints or photographs. I imagine you're able to pull out some very poignant kinds of imagery. That's correct. You know, although we're mindful that probably because of the most recent presidential election cycle, the issues have really surfaced to a pitch. We've been running now about 15 or 20 years pretty hard on a, an anti-immigrant slant in this country. And people forget oftentimes um, that, you know, even Barack Obama, uh, who many on the progressive side of the equation look to as an icon, and I do too, uh, you have to acknowledge that, you know, his deportation policy was pretty radical. It was uh, up until this current time, the most aggressive deportation policy that we've seen since the 1950s. Going back and even to the time of the early 2000s, um, I was beginning to take up in my own work a lot of attention to the issues and taking a lot of time even looking back at the colonial history of uh, the way that people like Benjamin Franklin thought about immigrants. And, you know, Benjamin Franklin, a great American, let's face it, one of the all-time great world inventors and political figures, was highly anti-immigrant. And his beef was with the German settlers in Pennsylvania, his home state. You know, he had an issue in the fact that the Germans didn't want to speak English, much like uh, many people have issues with the idea that Latinos don't want to speak English in our times. Something that's not exactly true, but my point is just that this is not a new debate. This has been going on in our country really since day one. And uh, we're a stronger and better nation, I think most would agree, because we've had a very open society and we've had a very forward-looking attitude about the benefits and the contributions of immigrants to our land. And the exhibit that you are now coordinating at Studios on the Park, mm -hmm. give us the overview and then we'll get into some specifics. Sure. The title of the show is E Pluribus Unum, and for those who are not exactly clear on what those words mean, from the Latin is, from many, one. We are people from many different places and backgrounds, but at the end of the day, we are all one family. We're one thing. We are something called Americans. And this is the title of the show because although that uh, vernacular goes back quite a ways to the incipiency of our republic, it still remains very true that we are a land of many different kinds of people. And at the end of the day, what makes America great and what will continue to make us great if we are to remain great is our sense that whatever our differences, whatever different religions, races, cultures, places we come from, at the end of the day, we believe in certain fundamental truths. And those fundamental truths, I believe, are probably today being lived most hard and most true by the immigrants amongst us. I mean, what we talk about traditional American values, what do we talk about? We talk about family, we talk about community, we talk about faith, hard work, patriotism. 
I mean, frankly, when I go to immigrant communities, that's what I see. I go to a park on a Sunday afternoon. I don't see a lot of the kind of longstanding American families hanging out intergenerationally, the grandparents, the parents, the kids in the park. I go to any park in any Latino community of immigrants, and I'll bet you that's what you're going to see. Patriotism, people don't realize it, but Mexican-Americans per capita have the highest number of uh, Congressional Medical Medals of Honor. Congressional Medals of Honor won by uh, virtue of their patriotism and their combat performance overseas and wars going back to the incipiency of the country. So I just think that it's easy to forget sometimes that uh, we have so much more in common as Americans, whether we're citizens or non-citizens living here, than, the, than we do the things that set us apart. And I think the show is designed to help remind us of those common points of reference that we typically forget too often. Hello there. I am Stephen DeLuke, co-host of this program called Ears on Art, produced at the studios of KCBX Public Radio in San Luis Obispo, California. We now rejoin Krissa Hewitt and today's guest, Henry A.J. Ramos, who curated a current exhibit at Studios on the Park. How many artists will be involved? We have 14 artists. They are some of the most impressive Latino and Latino artists in the state of California. Many of them really well known in the circles of museums and uh, you know artistic critics, but many of them really exciting, bright newcomers. For example, we have a gentleman named Eric Almanza who was recently featured on uh, national NPR. He's from Long Beach, California, and just uh, curated a show that's somewhat similar to our show in Southern California. And he's getting a great deal of attention as sort of the godfather of the current movement of Latino artists who represent the next generation of uh, artistic creation in the West Coast context. We have a young woman on the other end of the spectrum named Panca, who's uh, an 18-year-old, a San Diegan by birth, who now lives in Tijuana, Mexico. She chose, decided that she wanted to go to the other side of the border to find her creative content. But uh, she's producing work that I think is just uh, really just so important and so vital. So you have a range of people who are more senior to, you know, folks that are just uh, emerging on the scene as we speak. And I think it's a good first uh, taste, a good overview for folks that are new to this body of work. I believe, uh, if I'm not mistaken, that there will be many who will come to this exhibit and remember these names and track these artists because uh, 10, 15, 20 years from now, these are the artists of record that we'll be writing about, thinking about, talking about people who've made their mark, not just on our state, but on our nation and on our world. How long ago did you start doing the initial legwork. I know shows take a lot longer to put together than most people realize. They really do, and this one should have had about a six or eight month advance, but we only had about two or three months in advance. Um, I'll say just in complete you know, honesty, I think the election outcomes had uh, something to do with it. Not that this is a, uh, an assertedly political show. We're not trying to be off-putting to any particular point of view. In fact, we're welcoming all different perspectives on the issues to come and engage in a constructive civic dialogue about how we feel about these issues. That's one of the great things about our nation as well, the, the right to disagree, right. as long as we disagree civilly. So I think that there's going to be a number of people who will show up and take a lot of lessons from this that I think will be very valuable. And I think that's part of why we wanted to do it, because it's so topical right now. People everywhere on every corner and every barbershop and every restaurant, you know, they're talking about these issues. You know, wow, President Trump wants to put a ban on Muslims. Is that a good thing or a bad thing? 
It's a worthy conversation for us to have. President Trump wants to deport more Latin American Mexican immigrants. Well, you know, is that a good thing or a bad thing? We should be having that conversation. But hopefully, again, we can have that conversation in a constructive way and in a productive way, not in a way that, uh, you know, makes one person the winner or the loser, not in a way that makes one person right or wrong, but in a way that builds a consensus that we need to have to be a working democracy. Have you been the one primarily responsible for finding the different artists? Yes. And what were you using as your resource? First of all, I had the advantage of being a Latino artist uh, with my own field of influence and contacts, and that didn't hurt. So you start by calling people that you know. <laughs> and uh, we got a lot of help from people all over the state, people that are well-known in the arts community and that have their own points of view about these issues. They're all either immigrants or the children of immigrants, so it wasn't like this issue was irrelevant to them or far away. This is very close to where they live. All of these artists are living on the front lines of these issues in their families, in their day-to-day -day lives. Um, they are watching people that they know being put on buses and planes and taken out of the country. And that may be the thing that has to happen from some legalistic standpoint, but one can't forget a lot of these people are grandparents. A lot of them are children who really don't understand the reasons why they're being separated from family members, from communities. They've lived their whole lives in the United States. They don't, they don't speak Spanish. I mean, this is a very logical moment that a lot of our communities are living in. And these artists, not unlike artists in past times that have been active, you know, you name the conflict, the war, the problem. I mean, artists have always been on the front lines. Well, these artists are really much, very much on the front lines right now. They were ready to come to the call to action. For people, you know, not to do something, but to think to challenge their own assumptions and maybe to take a, you know, a step back from how they emote about these issues. Because sometimes our emotions are misleading. Sometimes we, we have to think through the consequences of our emotions. And right now, I worry that we're not doing a lot of that on this issue. My brother sent me a quote from President Kennedy, and I'm not going to be able to mm -hmm. do it verbatim, but the basic idea was is that Kennedy was saying what he himself did not yearn for was the place of comfort without the expectation of thought. Absolutely. John Kennedy was the grandchild of immigrants. He was a man who thought a lot about the issues that we're talking about. And one of the great things about Kennedy, among the many things that we can say about him, is that Kennedy challenged us to do the hard things, not the easy things. And we have become a society that does not seem to be comfortable anymore to do the hard things. This is something that I think is a challenge to our generation. But Kennedy, as the grandchild of immigrants, most people will not realize at the time of his death, he had just completed a manuscript that was published after his assassination called A Nation of Immigrants. And why? Because John Kennedy had proposed to Congress in the months before his assassination a major overhaul of the U.S. immigration policy, which had not been changed in the 20th century really in any kind of vital way. And it was only after his assassination that in 1965, Lyndon Johnson, his predecessor, passed the legislation that the Kennedy brothers had advanced to become, to that point, the most sweeping change in the racial quotas of our immigration system for the first time allowing people from countries outside of Europe to be more predominant in the immigration flows. Then, you know, obviously we had an adjustment in 1986 under the Reagan administration, but, you know, really you can look at um, Kennedy's contributions to American law on these issues as really seminal. I think Kennedy, were he alive today, even Ronald Reagan, were he alive today, would be troubled that uh, we are politicizing an issue that really uh, is one that has much more practical moorings in our economy and our culture. Actually, President Reagan, who I had a chance to meet as a young man to talk about some of these issues in another life uh, of mine, 
was very forward-looking on issues of immigration. If you look at the debates that he shared with uh, President uh, Bush, who followed him, the father of George right. W. Bush, in 1976, they had debates in California and Texas. And I am not kidding you, the two sound like progressive Democrats when they talk about the immigration question. They were very, very mindful that the business communities, consumer markets that were core to the American economy's recovery were really dependent on this relationship with Mexico. And they had, to my mind, much more progressive and forward-looking views back in 1976 than our politicians today have on the issues as we speak. As you're able to immerse yourself in your creativity, and certainly putting a show together is a very creative act. I mean, I've Mm -hmm. done it enough to know how much, not just organizational skills, but sort of the whole picture of how do I balance this? What am I doing? How am I displaying it so that it works the best? I mean, all of those questions coming to mind. And you've now got this cadre of artists. Are they all painters? We have mostly painters, but we have printmakers. We have uh, quilt makers. There's a really wonderful collection of quilt works that are included in the show. Some sculpture. So it's a multimedia show, although it is principally wall hanging uh, related Mm -hmm. art on canvas or wood or some kind of surface like that. Yes. I understand that there are going to be some accompanying events that take place during the time that it's up. Correct. Thank you for asking. Yeah, June the 3rd, Saturday, is going to be our, our opening. And the real events occur on June the 10th, which is going to be a personal favorite of mine. Which is good because we're airing on the 7th. So people oh, well, will have maybe actually, missed the 3rd, but, but they can okay. come to the 10th. Yeah, the timing is actually good because really, I think for all intents and purposes, the 10th will be the initiating celebration. And on that occasion, uh, I'm, I'm guilty of a slight bit of nepotism. My brother Gregory Ramos is the chair of the theater department at the University of Vermont. And for two will be traveling in California at that time and has just written a wonderful new play. His latest play is uh, in memory of our maternal grandmother, Josefina Topete, Josephine Topete. And he's just written a piece about her called Josephine's Stories. And she was an immigrant woman from northern Mexico who made her way through Texas and New Mexico and Arizona to California. It's a story of what it means to lose, you know, a place that you come from and come to a new place and uh, how you can regain a sense of who you've been because you need to have that for your survival in this new place that at times can be hostile and strange. But it's a very reassuring story, and he's going to do a great reading of that with uh, several youth and professional actors from the community, and that's going to be June the 10th at 7 o'clock. That afternoon, prior to that, from noon to 2, one of our artists, uh, Josue Rojas from the Bay Area, is going to be in studio in residence Uh, on Pine Street, 1130 Pine Street, and he will be doing an interactive painting on a wall uh, that people are encouraged to come and observe and to ask questions about his process if they like. One of the things about studios that we love to do whenever possible is to engage our audience members directly in exchange with the artists about their process, their thinking, uh, their purposes, and that will be going on from 12 to 2. On the 21st, we have a very exciting event. Uh, We're going to be partnering with Santos McDonald and his wife, Carol, who own La Cosecha Restaurant. And on the 21st at uh, La Cosecha, we're going to be uh, gathering with uh, the owner of the restaurant and Edgar Torres, who is the uh, owner of uh, Bodega de Edgar Winery. He's one of the leading Latino uh, vintners in the, the West Coast context, one of our rising stars. 
He'll be serving as one and talking about his story. People don't realize that Edgar, until a few years ago, despite his success, was running around as an undocumented Mexican. And here he is now, a full citizen, and creating jobs in our community and really becoming a part of our anchor civic culture. So we're really proud about that. And uh, Eric Almanza, who I mentioned, who has been featured recently on National Public Radio and in this uh, most recent uh, Southern California uh, exhibition, will be our featured guest artist. Um, that's going to be a lovely event. We'll also, the following weekend, we'll have a closing comment on the show. People are really encouraged to come out, and especially families. I think this is a show that is not just for the adults amongst us. I think this is something that uh, family members and kids in particular can really enjoy together. It all sounds really great. Are you looking for any other venues where you might be able to take some of these artists around the state at some point? I'll say a couple of things about that. I think that's a really important and great question. I think that this show is going to mark a more intentional effort on the part of studios going forward occasionally to have more social content work that is relevant to the region. This show on immigration is something that's important for our country and for our world, but let's face it, we live in a very agriculturally driven part of the state of California, which is the number one agricultural producer in the country. Uh, We know because many of our uh, allied industries and the agricultural sector itself is fundamentally dependent on labor from abroad that this is an issue that is uh, well known here in this region to be a complicated one. We have had experiences, myself directly and indirectly through media reports that we've tracked that have shown that on multiple occasions through experiments, efforts have been made to offer even higher wages to non-immigrant laborers for those same jobs. And people come out, if they come out at all, and maybe last a couple of hours, maybe a couple of days. The hard reality is that when you're sitting in 105 degree heat and you have no benefit of mechanization, you're on your knees from the the time the sun comes up to the time the sun goes down and you're working for eight bucks an hour, there's just not a lot of our citizens that want to do that work. That's just industry after industry. I can tell you the same thing in construction and in uh, food service, in home care, in gardening and landscaping and other industries we can talk about. There is just the facts. The facts are the facts. Hopefully our show will remind people that uh, uh, whether we like it or not, facts do matter at the end of the day. (laughs) Not only will I think studios want to do more around these issues with these artists, because we've now developed a relationship that we didn't have really with this cadre of artists, but I do think that um, you will see more attention to this uh, brand, this emerging generation of artists because of the power of their products and because of the time that we live in historically and the fact that they have something unique and important to say about it. We have these comments and these controversies in today's time about the immigration issue as though it's just something that has happened just in the last couple of years. But six of the 39 signers of the Bill of Rights were non-citizens. Eight of the 56 signers of the U.S. Constitution were immigrants. They weren't U.S. born. Three of the initial Supreme Court justices that George Washington appointed to the Court of Nine at that time were not U.S. citizens. So even going back to the founding of our republic, and you think about like icons like Alexander Hamilton from New York, you know, the, the first uh, Treasury Secretary, James Wilson from Pennsylvania, one of the signatories to the Constitution, James McHenry, the uh, Secretary of War to John Adams, all immigrants. You just realize how many of our foundational industries, regions, institutions were created by immigrants. All that to say, we still have a lot to learn about where we sit with this issue. You know, I think for the vitality of our future and for the social peace, we need to get our heads around this issue a different way. And what better way than through arts and culture to to find dialogue, to find common ground that may otherwise be unreachable. That's the intent, the aspiration, and the hope for this show. 
Thank you so much, Henry. Well, I'm, I'm honored. Uh, what you do is vital and important, and I'm just really, really pleased you thought this was an important enough opportunity to sit down and talk about. Absolutely. Thank you very much. I'm looking forward to the show. Yes, that was Stephen DeLuke, who unfortunately was not able to make it for the full interview. We'll have some of his thoughts in next week's program. Our guest today has been Henry A.J. Ramos, an artist and a man who's concerned with social issues and seeing how his two worlds can promote each other. He is the curator of the upcoming exhibit E Pluribus Unum from Many One, which is on display at Studios on the Park in Paso Robles. Their address is 1130 Pine Street. For directions and hours, it is probably best to go to their website, studiosonthepark.org. This show features Latino and Latina artists from around the state who have chosen to explore the issues related to immigration. The show runs through the 25th of June. On June 10th, there will be a couple of activities, one from noon to two, and the other begins at seven in the evening. The first one is an interactive art installation, and the second is the reading of a play written by Gregory Ramos, Henry's brother. I am Chrissy Hewitt, and on behalf of co-host Stephen DeLuke, I want to thank you so much for tuning in to Ears on Art here on KCBX Public Radio for the Central Coast. Thank you.